welcome to I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars action figures. I am your host, Michael Havens, creator of The Imperial Commissary. Come with me, I will be your guide as we journey through the incredible universe of vintage Star Wars collectibles. Welcome to the very first episode of IC Star Wars. I'm going to start off with telling you a little bit about myself and why I'm going to be doing this podcast. Back in December of 2014, I started putting together a Facebook group. It was going to be a small group. I just wanted to make a safe place to buy, sell, and trade where there wouldn't be repro, where there could be contests, and where there could be a community that would be built. So not just the clicks of some of the other Star Wars Facebook groups I was in um, when I first joined Facebook, and I hope that eventually it would be a good place for you know, my friends to just buy, sell, trade, hang out with no drama, with no hassle, stuff like that. Um, it kind of snowballed, <laughs> and it's become massive, and uh, there's over 12,000 members. We're pushing 13,000 right now. Um, I run into people all the time. There's meetups all over the place. Some of my mods do meetups in different states. I do meetups all across the country, and hopefully all across the world, wherever I go. So I will continue to do that. Uh, about 10 months ago, um, on the IC, a friend came to me. And he wanted me to guest host a podcast, which it eventually turned into me being a co-host of. It was a lot of fun. Unfortunately, real life came calling and uh, the podcast fizzled. I was really cool with that because it, I have no technical savvy, so I was pretty much speaking into a microphone. And I said, who really listens to podcasts anyway? Fast forward now to Celebration. Wow, I just went down to Celebration and boy, it was crazy. There were a million people there. It was all about Star Wars. It was incredible. The thing is, I kept running into people and they kept stopping me walking through the aisle. And they'd say, what happened to the podcast? Why did it end? And many people I'd never ever met before just walked up to me and I quote, your info is good. Please just put something out. Keep teaching because it was really good for the hobby. Well, I'm a real sucker for anything that's built in the community because I love this community. Um, it's my biggest driving factor because only five years ago, I had nobody to talk to about vintage Star Wars collecting. Now I have thousands of friends, and just like me, I want every person out there to have the opportunity to become part of this community. So what I'm going to be doing in the future is I'm going to be having on guests. Some of them will be mods from the IC. Some of them will be fellow collectors that have amazing collections in incredible knowledge about this hobby. This hobby is a very deep and in-depth thing. And what we're going to do is we're going to journey together to figure out all the different variants and all the different histories of Kenner and all the different ways that figures were made through pre-production, through first shots, through prototypes, through, I don't know, everything. From Star Wars A New Hope, Return of the Jedi, you know, all the way through. We're going to do only 4, 5, 6 because that's all I know about. I know nothing about modern. I did buy all the Disney diecasts. That was a mistake. Uh, if anyone wants those, I'll probably be giving them away for the next three years. 
but I don't know modern. I do know vintage. I don't know everything. I don't have everything. No one ever will be able to claim that. Maybe Mr. Sansweet, but uh, I certainly cannot. Um, I do have some information. I do know a lot of people with more information, and I hope over the next months to bring you as much information as I possibly can. When I started the Imperial Commissary, I had no idea what it would grow into. So I want this podcast to grow organically. We will see what happens. I'll do maybe some call-in shows, maybe a guest host, maybe a co-host, maybe a couple co-hosts. Maybe it'll be something I do bi-monthly. Maybe it'll be something I do bi-weekly. Maybe it'll be something I do every other day or whenever I have time. Either way, I'm going to still try to keep putting out content for you guys because it seems like you want to hear it. So hopefully you will enjoy this very first episode of I See Star Wars and let's jump right into it and start talking about Repro. It is pointless to resist, my son. Repro, or reproduction accessories and reproduction action figures are horrible for many, many reasons. Um, the reason why they're completely not accepted at the IC is because they are reproductions. What a reproduction is, is it is something intended to look like the original. Now, since these are collectibles, it's very akin to a fake Picasso or a knockoff of a anything, a knockoff watch, a fake Lamborghini, a fake pair of Oakleys, anything like that, fake Prada bags. I mean, there is a section for that and it's people that want to pretend they have something that they either can't attain can't afford or can't save up for um there's many things i can't afford i can't save up for and i can't attain i do not have my rocket firing fet yet um i do not have a lamborghini i do not have a jet boat I do not have an airplane that flies me to Vegas on Wednesdays. It would be nice, but there's some things I don't have, and I'm okay with that. Now, you have to be okay with it, too, and here's the reason why. Because what happens is even if you put a reproduction item in your, in your collection, and it sits there for the next 10, 15 years, oh, I'll never sell it, I'll never pass it on to someone else, my wife knows what it is. You know what? As sad as it is, none of our lives are infinite. So eventually, our stuff is going to end up back in the market. It may not be 10 years, it may not be 20 years, it may not be 50 years, it may not be 200 years. But if your children's 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 children are not going to hold your collection forever, then your repro is going to end up back in the market, and that destroys the hobby. Because everybody out there has been burnt. I've been burnt a million times. Other people on the boards have been burnt. Everybody who collects vintage Star Wars in any large amount has been burnt by the repro awfulness of repro. So when I started the Imperial Commissary, I made it a big deal. No repro on the IC. Now, there's many other Facebook groups out there that also support this no repro policy, and I love it. So what I have done is I have slapped it on stickers, I've slapped it on t-shirts, I've slapped it on anything I can get my hands on, and I try to get them out there into the community. Now, I've maybe put out, I don't know, 10,000 stickers, and I think I've sold... 20 of them I mean I just give them out everything I sell you meet me you get a sticker and the reason why is because every time somebody slaps that on their car or every time somebody slaps that on their wall or their college dorm room or their locker at school then one more person will see that and then another person and what it does is it 
makes this thing of no repro a higher echelon of collecting that we all belong to. Once you start going down the repro road, it is fakes. There's no reason to go fake. If you take your time and if you hunt, you can watch Craigslist. You can watch tag sales. Take your kids to a tag sale. Go with the family. Make it an event. And it's wonderful. And you will find everything you're searching for. It takes time and patience. But that's what the fun of collecting is. If it was very easy and it was all just sitting there at Walmart, who cares? It's the same reason why Hasbro and all these new companies end up putting out understock. And it's just so people will have to go crawling to the, every single store to check if it's there. And it creates a false sense of demand. I mean, same thing they do with the iPhones. Anyway, I'm going down a little bit of a rat hole there. So I'll try not to do that. But I'm just trying to show my point. And my point is there's absolutely no reason for repro. I hear the argument of people saying, oh, well, my kid likes to play with the toys. And I'm not going to give him a $200 Princess Leia blaster. Well, understandable. Absolutely. But why don't you just get him the power of the Force Leia Blaster? Even if you want him to use vintage toys so he's playing with the toys of your childhood and you guys can connect on that, which is wonderful because I think that vintage toys are by far superior to every single thing created today. I mean, I'm sitting right here in this room and I'm looking at my wife's shelf and she has shelves of vintage and she also has one shelf of modern. And on the modern shelf... About seven of the 20 characters are literally laying down. And the reason why they're laying down is because their feet are too tiny. Or they got a weird heel. Or one foot is misshapen. I mean, it's ridiculous that they point out that they are putting out this garbage 40 years after we had a stormtrooper you could stand up by just placing him on a table. So, it's frustrating to me about the modern stuff, and that's why I don't really like modern or collect modern. So I am 100% supportive of you having your kids play with your toys. Shoot, I'm 100% supportive of you playing with your toys. I think that's the best part about these, to give you a little tiny slice of childhood, and there's nothing wrong with that. So, if you want your kids to play with your vintage Star Wars toys, why not just grab a bag of legitimate Power of the Force 2 weapons on eBay? They're cheap. They're dirt cheap. Kids will like it more because the lightsabers are cool and see-through and they still fit in the hands of all the vintage characters. And you could pick up a beater set of vintage characters for your kid for nothing. Beaters are all over the place. You find them at tag sales, yard sales, like that. Everybody who says they can't find anything in the wild, it's because they don't actually physically go out. I guarantee you, if you physically go out to 10 to 15 yard sales every single week in the summer, you will have a massive collection by the time the end of the summer comes and the winter is here, and you will have plenty of Hoth figures and vehicles to play in the snow with. So, get out there. Try to find them. Think of better ways to avoid the repro. There's no need. You can get the Power of the Force 2 weapons. If I get this other one a lot, this is another pro-repro sentiment that I hear quite a bit is, well, I got them for free, they came with the thing, the kid likes to play with them, or they look fine on display, whatever. And I say, well, those are going to end up back in the market. And the person says, oh, no, my wife knows they won't. You know what? They're going to eventually, if they're there and if they look like the legitimate real thing or they're darn close, they're going to eventually down the line steal someone's money. So, why not spray them with spray paint? Why not make them all blue? Why not put a pinhole in them 
So they'll never be passed off as real. None of this will affect the way they look on your shelf. None of it will force you to throw away stuff that is just plastic garbage. Because I don't want to force anyone to choose how they want to collect. But it still doesn't change the fact you can make it an avoidable problem by putting a tiny little heated pinhole in it or spray painting it. I mean, there are so many ways to make this not an issue. But people keep fighting to make it an issue. So, I built the EIC for that reason. Because there is no repro. If you want to put repro up, go to another board. Go to eBay. It's full of repro. They love it. Not on the IC. So, that has is what I think has been one of the major factors in what has built this group. Is the no repro. Because people know when they buy things from the IC... They're not going to get repro. And if it is repro because it's a new seller or somebody screwed up, they're going to fix it or they're going to get banned. It's very, very simple. And I run a really tight ship and sometimes it makes me not everybody's favorite person. But to tell you the truth, I don't care. I'm trying to make a safe place. And if you don't want to be in a safe place, there is plenty of Internet out there for you. Maybe the IC isn't. But if the IC is for you, you will know you will be in a safe place where there will be kind people that will help you. And if anybody ever steps out of line, you know you have Big Bad Mike to call on to come figure it out and to mediate between a couple members. Anyway, it has been working out for a long time and the No Repro thing has given us the word of mouth and people have joined. No one on the Imperial Commissary has ever been added to the group. They join. Um, you have to request, and then either myself or one of the moderators, uh, they vet the profile and make sure it looks legitimate and you seem like not spam, and then they add you. And that's the only way to get in the IC since day one. So there's no bulk ads. There's no random members. All these people have either been watched or they are being watched or they have had good deals or, you know what I'm saying, or haven't dealt at all. There are many, many people on the IC that haven't even written a word, and they just watch from the background. And you know what? It's good for that, too. Because it should be an escape from our everyday lives. And in order to keep it a safe environment for that escape, the no-repro policy is very strict on the Imperial Commissary. Now, I'd like to talk about something else, because sometimes there's confusion between repro and customs. Now, a repro is a reproduction of an original item intended to look or take place of the original item. Okay, so it's something that's intended to look like the original. A custom is something, usually people make them out of beater figures, stuff like that. And a custom is an original piece of artwork. It is an original invention from someone. It is not a copy. It is not trying to look like an original Kenner product. It is a custom. For example, I just bought a custom tie bomber. It's uh, made out of a couple of beat up uh, tie fighter shells. And uh, Michael Steinheiser made it for me, and it's really, really cool. It's something I wanted. No one's ever going to confuse it in a billion years for an original Kenner product. Um, and it's something that was made out of junk, leftover parts that weren't even good parts, um, just broken parts that were pieced back together and made into this wonderful thing I'm going to be able to display on my shelf. It's going to be coming in. A lot of our members do this with their families too. It's a very cheap way and inexpensive way to enjoy this hobby. Um, they'll grab a lot of beater figures for 20 bucks. They'll get 
you know, 15 figures and they'll buy some paint at Michael's couple paintbrushes they lay out some newspaper on a saturday night and they sit there with the kids and they put on the base paint and they change the mold a little or they shape the face a little and i've seen some amazing customs um chris santon and uh his son rocco do it all the time they make these awesome customs they made me a canaan one it's phenomenal um and it was made out of parts it's made out of junk and this junk turns into something it gives them a project to do together and i think an entire saturday night would cost you shoot 10 bucks and you're making art that's why customs are wonderful and that's why customs are in no way repro they'll never ever be confused for the original that's the point if you're making painted figures that look like like say you're taking uh c-3po's and you're stripping them down with the bleach which i am completely against but do whatever you want it's your toy um but it's stupid because it just destroys the figure um but whatever uh anyway if you, you could see this is a old issue, but uh, if you uh, if you bleach down a figure and then you paint it and then you try to paint it just like the droids R2, or droid C-3PO say, um, like you paint it that bright yellow and you try to make it look just like the droid C-3PO, that's repro. I mean, wait till you can afford a droid C-3PO or if it's not in the cards that you can afford that someday, search, hunt. Hunt every single time you see a bin with toys in it, dig. Go to Goodwills. Go so many places, flea markets, tag sales. I'm telling you, I know it is completely ridiculous that I will... I, I hold true in my head that I will one day find a rocket-firing fet in the bottom corner of some random bin for 25 cents. I know it's ridiculous. But I'm telling you, it's still in my head. And I'm telling you, every bin I dig through, that's what I'm hoping for. And you know what? Sometimes you find something good in there. It's, it's usually not a rocket fed, or at least it hasn't been yet for me. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. There is no reason to have this hobby bankrupt you or cost you a million dollars. It doesn't matter whose collection is the biggest or whose collection is the smallest. It's your collection, and that's what makes it wonderful. So if you collect with a family member, you collect yourself just to have a shelf of the things that you really like. Do they all have to be 12 backs? No. Do they all have to be Power of the Forceman on cards? No. Do they even have to be Boba Fett's? No. They could be beater figures that you and your child or you yourself, I've seen, there are some really high-end uh, custom makers like Stephen Ward or uh, Ben Green that make these, like, he makes these rebel soldiers, or he makes the custom uh, bandoliers for the uh, stormtroopers. Um, it's not bandoliers, but I'm sure one of you guys will tell me what it is. Um, pauldrons. I'm probably saying that wrong. Either way, he uh, he also makes the the custom figures there on the IC custom page, which is one of our sub pages. There's 17 sub pages of the Imperial Commissary. One of our sub pages is IC Customs. Um, it's uh, customs and bootlegs, and on there, a lot of our members make some of the most incredible things. Ryan Byers makes these monster Frankenstein things every single Saturday, and they're incredible. Um, and they're just made out of junk. And it's, I, I got one, it's Boba Fett and Boba Pet, and it's like a half Boba IG-88 dog thing that's phenomenal that ryan byers made me um he also made me like lando in a grammarian guard disguise it's 
awesome. It looks like Lando's going Halloween. Um, so stuff like that. And these are all, that's why it knows no age and it doesn't have to be backbreakingly expensive for you. You can get beaters for cheap. Shoot. I give people beaters that want to make customs. I mean, when I used to have beaters, I'm, I only sell my overflow. So I'm more into like mid on cards and bootlegs right now, vintage boots. So I don't have like overflow loose figures. I'm done with my loose sets. Um, I mean, I still buy Boba Fett, but that's just an addiction. <laughs> Let's speak about addiction. Uh, you, I don't know. I mean, you can build an army if you want. I like the way it looks. I think it's cool. It's annoying as heck when they fall over. Uh, the proof card fell down the other day and knocked down about 250 Boba Fetts again, and that's frustrating. But uh, I'll put them back up, and the reason why is because I think they look cool. And that's one of the displays I get the most compliments on, and it is not full of 21 back. But, well, there's 21. There, I mean, just, all right, I have a Boba Tower, and then at the top there's carded figures on a separate shelf too. Um, but if you just take into account the Boba Tower, everybody loves it. And it's not the most expensive stuff in my room. I love it. It's my favorite thing in the whole room. And it's a bunch of loose Boba Fetts. Um, granted, there are a bunch of awesome variations of loose Boba Fetts. And Boba Fetts is a difficult and expensive figure to find. But I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. What I'm trying to say is it doesn't matter if it's a million dollars worth of something or ten bucks worth of something. If it's your collection that's yours and that's special and everybody's collection is special. My favorite thing is not walking in to visit a friend and seeing their collection of all the carded figures. Or here's my first 21 or here's my whole complete set. or Those aren't the things that get me. The things that I love are the little things that I see shoved in a corner or in a crease or in between stuff or hanging out the side. And it's like, what's that? And then that story comes out and it goes, oh, you know what this is? One time I helped out a guy because he was doing this and I thought it was this. And so I told him and I helped him out and he said, you know what? I've got this. And he said, would you like it? And I said, yeah. And you know what? It's like something awesome. Like, uh, I don't know. I can't even think of something off the top of my head, but it could be. I don't know, a doll or a toy or a beater Princess Leia that was like you got for being a good person one day. I mean, those are trophies. Those are trophies for adulthood. That's what we get. I mean, I don't know. Maybe some of you guys still play softball or football or whatever. Some of you might be professional athletes. I don't know. I am not. <laughs> I play Star Wars toys. And uh, what that means is I don't have the ability to get that trophy but you know what when somebody sends me like a letter i get these letters i get these letters because see now what's happened is there being so many people it's something very new for me i'm not a super duper outgoing and extrovert type person i'm an introvert i mean this has pulled me into an extrovert you people that have met me uh you know how i am in person and now look at this i'm recording a podcast and I, it, it's changing me and what it's changing me into, but only for this. I mean, I still, you know, don't go to like Walmart and talk to everybody. I mean, I walk in, I get what I need. I walk out. I usually use a self-checkout, but when it comes to Star Wars, I love talking about it and I'll talk to them blue in the face. So it has made me kind of deal with this little 
people, I mean, I was in Kohl's one time, right? I'm in Kohl's. I'm just trying to explain it. I don't know how to explain it because it's very new to me. I was in Kohl's one time, and it was uh, just before Christmas, and I was going to buy a one of those modern stormtroopers, uh, the, the tall ones, like, I don't know, three feet, four feet tall, whatever, you know, stop or I'll shoot. Um, so I bought them, and uh, Kylo Ren, the shorter one, and uh, and they were like 17 bucks. They were so cheap. So I, I went up to the counter and I had on a uh, I had on an Imperial Commissary T-shirt. And somebody was like, "Oh, my my manager loves Imperial loves Star Wars. Let me uh, tell him, you know." And I'm like, "Oh, well, I run this group." And he, she's like, "No way. Let me call him up here." So she called him up here, and he totally knew who I was. And he actually went into the back and got me 20% off the, I mean, it was so heavily discounted. I think it saved me like a total of $3. But still, I was in a Kohl's locally and somebody recognized me. It's very, very weird. I mean, not weird. It's kind of neat. I don't, I don't know. All I'm saying is I never had people that wanted me to talk to them. And you guys seem to want to. So thank you so much for encouraging me to do this podcast and thank you so much for walking up to me at celebration thank you for your pms thank you for the people that send me letters or notes thank you for all the kind words and i promise you i'm going to keep doing this as long as i can keep doing it because it's fun for me and i really enjoy what this community is growing into so let's keep it growing and let's interview our very first interviewee for the ic star wars vintage podcast after this, the Emperor has been expecting you. Welcome to the very first interview of I See Star Wars, a podcast about vintage Star Wars toys. What I'm going to do, guys, is I'm going to start having on some big time collectors and vintage Star Wars items to come tell us some interesting stuff about what they collect and uh, what gets them excited about Star Wars. So today I bring you as our very first special guest. David White, a.k.a. Jimmy Tupac. He is a Grand Admiral on Rebel Scum. And, uh, hey, how you doing, Dave? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Michael. Yeah, thank you very much for coming here. The reason why I have uh, David on today is because he collects something very special. Uh, he collects two-packs, and I know absolutely nothing about two-packs. So we're going to get into that later, but very first, as we're going to do with each one of our special guest stars, we're going to go right into the lightning round. And uh, what that is, is I'm going to do some questions just so we can introduce you to the uh, to the listeners very quickly. And uh, the lightning round, we're going to start off with, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Empire Strikes Back. Okay. Favorite Star Wars character? Uh, Luke Skywalker. Okay. Favorite Star Wars toy line from A New Hope to TFA? That's a tough one. Yeah. yeah. I'd have to probably go with the original 12 figures, uh, along with the uh, X-Wing fighter and uh, TIE fighter, because that's what my brother and I got for Christmas. Nice. Perfect. Um, and then uh, Nine Numb versus R2 in Mortal Kombat. Who wins? <laughs> oh, definitely R2 every time. He's got a lot of secret gizmos hidden in there. Perfect. <laughs> and then uh, Kathleen Kennedy gives you a call tomorrow and says, hey, you can choose the next spinoff and you can be the lead. What do you pick? So the choice is between... Anything you want. Oh, okay. I guess as long as it hasn't been done. So nobody in Rogue One. So, so <laughs> rephrase the question. Kathleen Kennedy calls him. What is she offering me? She says you can do the next spinoff movie and you can be the lead. Oh, so I can direct it? You can do everything. Or I can be the lead or both? Everything. It would be completely your show. 
Oh, what I do just, it? No, you have to choose which one it oh. would be. <laughs> like me, it would be the Boba Fett movie, obviously, because I'm a Boba Fett hound. What oh. about you? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah, that's the curveball for the end of the lightning round, man. I'd probably go with Thrawn. Oh, probably. that's good. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, that's that's something that that those books brought me back into Star Wars after uh, taking a little break after growing up and being a teenager. I'll tell you what, I met Timothy Zahn down there at Celebration, man, and that was really cool for me. Yeah, me too. That yeah. was that was really, really <laughs> special. Huh. All right, well, perfect. Great lightning round, man. So now we know who you are, um, and you are a Grand Admiral on Rebel Scum. Tell tell the Facebook folks, because see, this is an IC podcast, Imperial Commissary podcast, and most of us are Facebook folks. Tell the Facebook folks a little bit about Rebel Scum, just because I use it all the time. It has unbelievable reference materials, and... Uh, well, tell us a little bit about what Rebel Scum is. Okay, yeah. Uh, Rebel Scum uh, was probably the most popular, uh, and still is probably the most popular forum-based website for Star Wars collectors. Uh, modern and vintage collectors, and even people who collect props and Legos. Uh, but with the advent of Facebook, uh, people really have started to, to drift away, and I guess Facebook is a one-stop shop. People are on there anyway, and uh, so really it's been a decline. But I've, you know, I've definitely been a fan of a lot of the other uh, forums and websites, uh, everything from the Imperial uh, Commissary to um, yakface.com, and there's just so many. But Rebel Scum, I think, was probably the top dog, and people would go on there and discuss. And it's still relevant because those discussions can be archived, and you can go back mm -hmm. and do your research. I love that uh, about the internet as opposed to Facebook is the archiving capabilities because yeah I do I find great information on Rebel Scum from 15 years ago when I'm looking into certain things. Yeah, I think the the heyday of Rebel Scum was really the uh, late from like the late 1990s until uh, probably just recently. So I, I became a member there in 2007. I was kind of a lurker for a year and then actually signed up in 2007. And that's uh, when I really started getting involved with the community. So what really got you into Star Wars collecting? Well, when I was a kid, uh, I was five years old when the first Star Wars movie came out. Probably the, the first memory I have of going to a feature film with my dad and my brother. And it really just blew me away. And, of course, then the toys came out. And as I'd mentioned... Uh, the first 12 figures and the X-Wing fighter and the, the TIE fighter, that, those were my, my first toys, and we loved them. And so my brother and I really uh, played hard with Star Wars up until about 1983. Mm -hmm. And that's when I got a little bit older and started drifting away. And my younger brother uh, switched to Transformers and uh, uh, G.I. Joe. Yep. I came back to it in 1999. Uh, when the new uh, movie, The Prequels, came out, Phantom Menace. And at that point, I had a three-year-old daughter. Okay. And, you know, I went to the stores and said, oh, look at this. You know, I, I had noticed back in the mid-90s, like 95, when Star Wars came back, but I didn't buy any of it then. Mm -hmm. But it was in 99, because I had a daughter, and I said, hey, instead of playing Barbie, you know, we've got some great droids and female characters, Padme. Yep. Uh, how about these, sweetie? And she loved it. Awesome. So I started buying the modern toys, and within a year, I said, you know, I'm I'm really have a lot of nostalgia for the stuff I used to have, and eBay was right there uh, to help me out with buying some of my past. And I started buying stuff and collecting, and and before you knew it, I got involved with the 
websites and the community, and I started going strong, and eventually gra- uh, gradually moved to two packs. Well, yeah, you did. You did. Uh, you are known as Jimmy Tupac. The reason why your name is Jimmy Tupac is because you had how many of these things? Uh, over 120. Insane amount. Um, I've seen one in my lifetime, uh, in person. Uh, what they are is they are two packs of figures, and they came out Return of the Jedi, right? Can you tell us a little bit about them? Because a lot of people don't realize what they are. I mean, especially with the way the card back is just blank. It looks practically like a Mexican bootleg. Yeah, really. It's, it's they're they're really their their clearance uh, value items, and I'll tell you a little bit about the line. First, I'll tell you how I got into them because that's a shorter story. Perfect. So when I got involved with Rebel Scum, what I noticed is that a lot of collectors had a focus, and a focus meaning they'll choose one character and try to collect what they think is cool with only that character. Mm-hmm. I think part of the reason for that is budget. If you try to collect everything, you're going to spend a lot of money. Right. I think a second and probably a more important reason is when you get into rare items, there are only one, five, or ten, let's say, of something, like a um, prototype or hard copy or you know engineering pilot. Mm-hmm. Not everybody can have that. So I think what the community did is they kind of divvied things up and said, all right, if one person focuses on Darth Vader and somebody focuses on Chewbacca and the Jawa, that means everyone can have at least something. So I think those are the two reasons you get these focuses. And I didn't really have, even though I mentioned Luke was my, my favorite hero in the movie, I didn't really have a particular character that you know I wanted to collect only that. And when I started collecting, I, I, I did, first of all, a run of the loose figures, okay. all 92. That's where we all I, start, I think. Yeah, it's the same <laughs> pattern as everyone else. Then I started going for carded. Mm-hmm. And... Now, looking back over time, I, I like the carded better because of the artwork. You know, it really brings back the both nostalgia and and the wonderful artwork. And I just I just love that in my basement office looking at those. So, I, I you know, I did the run of 92 carded. Mm-hmm. And, of course, then I wanted to get something special, something a little bit different. And so I bought the Bespin 3-pack. And if Ooh. you can believe it, back this was uh, back in... Uh, 2004 i think i bought that mm-hmm. it was 500 bucks <laughs> i think a few years later around 2007 2008 i, I picked up the villains mm-hmm. uh, and the villains one was actually from the kenner morgue so it had a little bit of special uh background to it i think i paid 800 for that guy that's cool <laughs> i did no longer own either of them i, I sold them along the way mm-hmm. I, I wish i hadn't it always you know? happens man stuff comes and goes because you always choose a new way to angle your ideas right but that's how i got into the two packs because even at 500 and 800 back in the day some of these were of course two thousand three thousand dollars and i realized you know what i'm not going to be able to do a whole run of three packs not only would it take forever but it would break the bank so i thought well what else is there out there that no one else is collecting people were getting into bootlegs but the one thing no one else seemed to be getting into except for todd DiMartino was Return of the Jedi 2-packs. So I started collecting those. And those were the days where you can pick them up on an average of 25 bucks a pop. You know, maybe 50 tops. Occasionally, I I got a few for $2. Oh, wow. (laughs) So so this is in the early 2000s. So uh, Todd DiMartino decided that he was going to sell out. He was selling, and he had at that time the world's largest collection of Mm 2-packs. The core of his collection, he had bought out from a guy named 
David DeGregory, who was the king of the two-packs back in the 90s. And so I thought, you know what? I'm going to see if I can't get some of these really cool character combinations and buy Todd out. He had already sold a few of them, but the core of his collection was still intact. And I remember meeting him. We went to visit my mother-in-law in St. Petersburg, Florida, and he Todd was in West Palm Beach. So he drove out about halfway. I drove out about halfway. And we met in a little town called Yeehaw Junction on Lake <laughs> Okeechobee, and that's where we did the deal. I think it was uh, – $10,000 cashier check and like a whole, whole back of his truck full of two packs. Oh, wow. Uh, absolutely amazing. <laughs> so, so, you know, so I went from about, you know, 25 two packs I had collected on my own, you know, to this, this massive collection. Imagine if the local police stopped you on that corner and wondered what you were doing with all <laughs> hey, that money and all those toys. <laughs> what's this? Drugs? No. Two packs. Two packs, addictive. man. Yeah. They're Start. way, way worse. <laughs> So, yeah, so I, I got into two packs because really nobody else was chasing after them and they're relatively cheap. And because, you know, Todd, this this holder of this massive collection was getting out of them. And it was a lot of fun because I was the only one going after it. It became less fun when it became more popular and then prices started going up. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized I was not going to complete my goal of getting one of every single figure that's been found in a two pack. I was trying to get every combination and every figure and some of them you know they're one or two of a kind were locked up in black hole collections i knew who had them but you know they were asking between one to four grand you know for a stormtrooper or a yoda and i thought you know that's crazy i kind of liked it better when i was paying 25 or 50 bucks right so uh, i passed the baton on to scott olden and so he's trying to go after one of everyone so i i kept uh, a chunk of my collection some of the special ones um, but I decided I'm not going to try to get every single one. Right. Well, what are you collecting now? What's your thing now? Well, uh, I still have my my loose and carded collection. Mm-hmm. I made a run of uh, droids figures. Nice. I got those. That was a lot of fun. Picked up some foreign stuff, carded, and that was a lot of fun. And I still have, like I said, I still have the two packs. But what I ended up doing is, you know, as I was collecting, I sort of got into a couple of accidental focus for example uh, yoda mm-hmm. uh, i ended up getting a power of the force yoda nice i got uh you know transition card yoda between uh, empire and return of the jedi that's a tough one to get mm-hmm. and i thought well you know i'm almost there why not just pick up some others and <laughs> like, now, like now i'm up to 15 i have a Darth vader shelf that is the exact same way <laughs> yeah so so yoda and r2d2 kind of came along as an accident but it was it was fun yeah, it's neat when it happens organically and you walk into your room and go, how do I have 12 of those? Yeah, so <laughs> so that's kind of the story of, you know, my arc of collecting. And uh, two-packs for a long time were interesting, but what really sort of uh, stopped me was when prices started going up. So I got into something a little bit different. Yeah, um, well, when I met you, it was at the uh, King County show in Chicago. That's and right. And I actually got my droids, Boba Fett, from your booth. Um, <laughs> well, actually, my two upgrades ago droids Boba Fett. Right. but still yeah i did and uh that's where i met you you were really nice to me and uh one thing uh, the great things about this community uh it's that people very very far away from each other get to get together randomly and uh have like these practically high school reunions of all these people that you've made friends with uh i got to see you down at celebration that was awesome yeah it was really fun did you, you find and anything that's... cool down there 
Did you have a good time? Did you like I it? Did. And you know, that's what I was going to say. Is I did find some Star Wars toys. I, I got a, a mint loose Lily Letty Boba Fett, which to find one mint is hard to find. Yeah, but what me. I was going to tell your <laughs> listeners is that you know there are certain things that we all probably would agree on are a lot of fun about collecting Star Wars. Number one is the nostalgia. Number two is the thrill of the hunt. You know, in researching something whether it be two packs or a run of loop farm boys but you know sort of researching the process and the history um you know just acquiring the toys but i would say what trumps it all are the personal connections it's the people and in the end i don't really care that much about the toys it's the friendships that i've made and everyone i think to a person agrees with that it's it's a real wonderful community and what I value more is getting together at the celebrations. I've been to most of them and, you know, kind of visiting uh, with other vintage collectors is the highlight for me. Well, that was the first one I've ever been to, man. And I have never seen so many, so many people I talk to on a regular basis that I never got to meet in one place. You know what I mean? And, yeah. It, uh, you're, you're right. It is like a high school reunion. And you kind of, and if you, if it's your first reunion, you kind of get to find out who's who and, you get to hear some of the stories, and it's just wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, also, there was tons of vintage there. I also got to see Harrison Ford walk out on stage and George Lucas. So it was really neat from that perspective. Um, we even did the IC meetup down there, which was cool. Um, there was the archive party that was cool. Everything was neat. Room sales, you're just hanging out with people with, you know, rocket. I think I saw two or three rocket firing Boba Fett's when I was down there, which is crazy. But, uh, Even if you're not buying, it's just fun to look at the stuff and talk yeah. about it. Uh, I remember, I think it was in Anaheim at the celebration, uh, Shane Turgeon was there, and uh, he pulled out the engineering blueprints for the Sonic Land Speeder. Oh, wow. And I think he was asking like $3,000. Nobody bought them, but everybody like leaned over and oohed and odd. Oh, look at this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I think that was the draw. It wasn't so much wanting to buy it, but just to see it. Well, that's when you really get to see things that don't show up. They don't show up on Facebook. They don't show up on Rebel Scum. They don't show up on eBay. I mean, they're just these things that, you know, the the actual real hidden collectors come out of the woodwork and have. And it's you're walking down a hallway and you see things that you will never see. So right. that was really cool, man. I've and in fact, yeah, in fact, that memory, just for the record, I think was from Celebration 5 in Orlando, the one with the... Uh, engineering blueprints from Shane. But at Anaheim, you know, there was uh, one guy with a, a bunch of loose yak faces. Next to him was uh, uh, Headman, uh, Uzai, Turkish carded figure. <laughs> wow. I think there's only like two or three of those in the world. And there was one for sale. Uh, and another guy had a uh, carded double telescoping Darth Vader. I, I never actually held one of those. I was like, wow, that's cool. I, wish I saw I a double telescoping Obi one down there, man. Wow, on the that's... floor in, at the room sales, it was on the floor in a staircase. Like, and it's so many stories about. I, I never held the Obi wan but a friend of mine in Arizona did. Uh, he found it in the wild, and of course, he oh. sold it. It's always like, yeah, I had this, but I sold it. I wish I hadn't have. <laughs> yeah, that's the way it always is, though. You got to throw some of them back, or else your house would tip over. You know. I think a lot of a lot of the uh, old school collectors, you know, really sort of built their collections on, you know, maybe finding three items and keeping two and selling one, using the proceeds to then sort of keep collecting, and in a way the the collection starts to pay for itself. 
Well, that takes a long time. Takes a lot of dedication. That's how it is nowadays. I mean, if you don't do that, because nowadays you know how it is. I mean, the prices are through the roof, and yes. uh, everybody wants everything. So, it's uh, it's tough to find anything. But you just you have to really focus on it, and you have to take your time, and you have to sometimes buy a lot in order to get the two pieces or three pieces you want, and then get rid of the rest. Um, just right. to take the edge off, because it's it's a different kind of market. It's not like you're gonna walk into a random tag sale. As much as I love the wild, and as much as you may find anything, and I hope to find my rocket firing Boba Fett in a tub one day, <laughs> it uh, it's never gonna have fifty two packs in a tub. I mean, that's just it's not something that because there's only what a ten thousand thousand of them. How many of them do you think? What's the... uh, uh... Well, that's the thing. Is, what do people think? You know, with, with anything, you never nobody, know. nobody really knows for sure what still exists. Um, but there's there's not many. Uh, I think the last time we did a count among known ones among collectors, which you know is only a slice of what's out there. Mm-hmm. I, th- I think we're at about like 650. You oh, know that wow. we could at, we could count. You know, so we could guess. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's between two to four thousand floating around out there. Right. Uh, unless some guy, like you said, some guy's sitting on a tub of 300 of them. But the only rumor I ever heard of that turned out to be false, and that goes back to the glory days of Rebel Scum. Uh, we had this uh, guy by the name of Brian Sierra mm-hmm. <laughs> came onto the boards and claimed to have gotten uh, some Revenge of the Jedi uh, production carded figures. Right? They, they were not ever to have supposed to have hit the market, but he claimed that he was in, in Indianapolis, he found him at a Kmart, and his story was just like close enough to be plausible. Right. Right. He came back the next day, and the manager said that you know Kenner had pulled them back, and they weren't supposed to be put out, and they went back to Cincinnati. And uh, it turned out to be this this huge fight. Everyone on Rebel Scum against Brian Sierra who was typing in capital letters. And um, anyway, long story short, uh, I had a chance to meet this dude because I happened to be in Indianapolis, and he, he was a real nice guy in person, as as much of a uh, a, a thunderbolt as he was online. But he, you know, he said to me, you know, I, there's this guy in this flea market. He's got comic book boxes of these two packs. And of course, that's the problem with collecting: is if you want to believe it, right? That's yeah. when you get into trouble because then you start to not not look for clues that you're being deceived. And I really wanted to believe him. Right. Uh, it turned out <laughs> it was just he was just making this stuff up, uh-huh. just like with the Revenge of the Jedi. But. Yeah, Imagine. I wish oh. I wish I could find. So usually people find this, you know, they find two packs in twos or threes at the most. Because mm-hmm. they, well, they're a random thing. They were definitely they were just released in normal stores, just like the regular carded figures, just very far at the end of the line. Yeah. So let me tell you the story about the the two packs. Yeah. So I spent a lot of time researching them. Uh, I'm a history professor by trade, uh, a researcher, and I, I I love kind of finding out the backstory. That's another reason for my passion for the two packs, especially when they were cheap, was, you know, I could kind of find out why are they the way they are? What's the story? You know, why has an emperor never been found in a two pack? It would, it would seem like on the same level as Admiral Akbar, General Maydine, mm-hmm. definitely a clearance toy. You know, so I got to do some research. And with the help of Todd Martino, who also was curious and had done some research, we put together a lot of the story. So the story is that in 1983, Kenner had decided that they wanted to get rid of some overstock, that I guess sales were kind of uh, plateauing, 
And so they made an arrangement with a company in New York City called CG Corporation. Okay. And what's interesting is Todd actually uh, went out to New York and talked to one of the retired former vice presidents of that company and got a lot of interesting inside information, which is a lot of what I'm sharing with you now. Ooh, and I what he said is that there were there were two sources for the figures. Source number one were carded figures either from stores that were not sold and maybe went back to Kenner mm-hmm. or stuff that Kenner produced and they just hadn't, you know, sold it or shipped it out to the retail stores. So they had all of these Return of the Jedi carded figures. The other source was directly from the factories in Asia. So mm-hmm. supposedly those came over uncarded in 50-gallon metal drums. And we don't know, the, the executive didn't really answer the question, he didn't know either, you know, did they come with weapons or not? So we just sort of assumed if they did, that maybe the weapons were at the bottom of these drums and the employees didn't bother. Oh, wow. So weapons are pretty rare. So from the 600 or so two-packs that we know of for collectors, you know, we sort of crunched the data and came up with 14% actually have weapons. So they're quite few. And is it random, or are the weapons only a couple different kinds? Oh, it's it's quite random. It's oh. whatever figure, uh, whatever weapon came with the figure that's in there. So you could find pretty much anything as long as it went with the figure. Sometimes they're even the wrong weapons. Huh. So you can imagine that these employees for CT Corporation, they've got two s- sources for these figures. One is the loose figures in the 50-gallon drums, which are probably going in weaponless. Uh-huh. The other are carded figures, which they're ripping open, taking the figure out of the bubble, and if they choose, pulling out the weapons from you know the tape on the side and right. throwing them in there. So there must have been at least a few employees who were doing that because that's you know how we've got those weapons that were in there. And so it's totally random. And you can imagine that maybe in the furious pace to, to uncard and, and recard these things, as two packs that maybe they grabbed the wrong weapon from, you know, the discard pile from the packaging and threw a squid head gun in with, you know, Han trench coat and Madine. So that happened occasionally. Plus you figure with a third party system like that, probably not too many people were watching for quality control. Right. <laughs> but the one thing we can say is the biggest question I get is, has there ever been two of the same figure? And the answer is no. Huh. And Todd was a firm believer that there, there must've been some directive from the top don't put two Maydeans together. And the, the obvious reason is that's not going to sell because mom and the kids, when they come to KB Toy, you know, they're, they're hoping to get two for one. They, they don't want to get two of the same, you know, unless it was a, maybe a stormtrooper. But right. we've, never, we've never found – so you, you get a selection of A and B, not two A's. And well, they were probably like, you know, as soon as you got the job, they're like, all you got to do is make sure you put one of each in the bag. Yeah, you, 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 you Just don't double them up. <laughs> right, put two figures in there. And uh, I assume they probably had like a, a hot press machine. You know, yeah. I've, I've seen those on YouTube, how those were used. I think it was Palatoy. There's a video you can look up and see how they actually, almost, almost like a waffle iron, you know, where they actually will, you know, heat seal the bubble onto the card. Mm-hmm. So they probably sealed them like that because it's not glue. It's, it's the same, you know, melted heat seal, just like the regular carded figures. But the cards are cheap. There's... Uh, Nothing on the back. It's just plain. Uh, the bubbles are pretty flimsy, just like the Tri-Logo, some really thin plastic. Uh, so they're prone to crushing and denting, 
it's very rare to find one in good condition. And the other reason is that KB Toys often threw them in these large uh, five-foot by five-foot wire bins, yeah. right, at the front of the store, you know, by the mall entrance. And you'd come in and kids would rummage through there. So that would definitely dent up the bubbles. On the plus side, whatever plastic they use, just like with the tri-logos, it doesn't tend to yellow. So, <laughs> so you, you just get them crushed, but they're nice and clear. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I have uh, two questions from your story. My first question, was there ever a Boba Fett one? No. Uh, there's one. There's a picture of one uh, coming out of Japan, but most people agree that it's a fake. Oh, bummer. Yeah, so not yet, but it's possible. All right, All so right. keep looking, Mike. I get it. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know there, there had to have been one. There had to have been some overstock Return of the Jedi Boba Fetts, and, you know, they probably ripped those open and paired it up and but the problem is you have to think about the selection for kids mm -hmm. so if you're a kid you're coming to kb toys and you see han trench coat and general Maydine, admiral akbar and gamorian guard you're probably going to pass right. but if you see a boba fett with a stormtrooper yeah. that's the one i want mom me too and that <laughs> got ripped open and now those two figures are in the collection of you know the population of loose figures no longer a two-pack so i think that's the reason why you know, when you talk about stormtroopers or uh, Luke Farmboy uh, or even something like Greedo, mm -hmm. they're pretty hard to find in a two-pack because most of them probably got opened. Right, because they're cool-looking figures. Right, yeah. but there sure are a lot of Akbars that were left over that nobody <laughs> wanted, not even for 99 cents. Oh, we got somebody on the IC, Amy Seema. She actually has an Akbar focus. It's kind of neat. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it looks really cool. That's the thing I think is important about a focus is, you know, maybe find something that nobody else is doing and you can make it your own. You know, you spend a lot of time doing the research and you become the expert and you don't have to worry about paying $2,000 and you can collect something at a reasonable price. Exactly. There's so many different figures out there that are just completely ignored, but they all have very cool variants and you can pick a new one. You that's the thing is... The Clatu Man keep, or whatever, you know? Yeah, to keep it keep it interesting for you. And, you know, for me, gosh, how long did I pursue two packs? Uh, probably for about nine years. It was really interesting for me for about nine years. And like I said, the thing that, that kind of uh, slowed things down was the ones I needed were really expensive. So right. I thought, you know, that's not a lot of fun. I'm going to let somebody else try to go after those. Well, perfect, brother. Um, I have held you up for the 30 minutes, as I promised, but uh, before I let you... We can keep going. I'm fine. Oh, all right, cool. Well, I have a, I have an ending thing that we'll get to, but... Uh, before what, we go, I wanted to, to tell you um, a, the story about your droids, Boba Fett. Yes, please yep. do. My dollar ninety nine. Uh, now, have, have you heard about the story? No, I have no well, idea. Well, that's great that I get to tell you. You get to hear it first here, along with your listeners. Uh-oh, let's go. Any so Boba Fett story up, is what I want to hear, brother. <laughs> yeah, this is this is actually a story of a previous Kane County toy show, and it kind of goes to show that you can still find some amazing stuff in the wild, uh, whether it's at a toy show or a flea market or a garage sale or you know even a room sale at at Celebration. Hmm. So there was a guy who I hadn't recognized, a vendor, an older gentleman, and he had uh, comic book boxes, those long skinny boxes, mm -hmm. and he was getting his stuff out, beginning of the show. And I looked, and they were all full of, of carded Star Wars figures. And the first box I looked into, 
uh, was all the the droid series, and it also had some Return of the Jedi, uh, Ewoks, and Empire. So I asked the guy, I saw the the droids Boba Fett, and I said, wow, (laughs) how much for the Fett? And he said, oh, $1,000 for the whole box. Oh, wow. And I said, oh, because I'm thinking I've only got $700 in my pocket. (laughs) I said, what if I just chose out three or four of these? He says, nope, I don't deal that way. I only sell by the box. He says, $1,000 for the whole box, no haggling, take it or leave it. So I thought, okay, <laughs> what am I going to do? Because I see a lot of guys walking around, they're starting to hunt, but yeah. I can't leave this alone for too long. Cause, so I ran over to my buddy, Peter Brench from Denmark, who was out hunting on his own. I said, Peter, you have 1000 bucks?" He said, yeah. I said, well, I, I need you to buy a box here. And so we sprinted over there. A couple of other guys overheard us and tried to tried to chase after and he says is this the box yep a thousand dollars i'll take it he took it and there they were oh nice and you know the one of the guys said you know well why don't you tell me you know i would have i would have hooked you up and given you a figure or something you know you just gave this to your buddy you could have had that box and i said well i didn't have the thousand at the time but in the end peter took out the fat that's the one thing he wanted and he said david choose out three of these any of them that you want that's your commission buddy nice so i, I chose out the uh droids a-wing pilot the kmo which i didn't have mm-hmm. and the empire strikes back uh leah bespin outfit he got that fat graded he yep. <laughs> peter thought he was going to keep it forever and he said should i bring it to the next show just to get people to come in and look at the table <laughs> i said yeah sure and then you showed up and he couldn't resist he made a deal with you and that's how it got it (laughs) that's the backstory that's great man i'm glad it was found in the wild and there's a good story to it (laughs) we didn't know the guy's name so he'll forever be known as the box guy the box guy come back every kane county toy show everyone's like hey do you think that box guy's gonna come back and we've never seen him again well hopefully he'll be here's a uh, shameless plug for me but hopefully he'll be up at the uh, cincinnati show are you gonna go to that october or you got to chicago then well, I think the the show is going to be in September, right? October uh, it's September 30th, yeah, but the show yeah. is October 1st. Yeah. yeah, the Kane County show, I think, is at the end of October, so that means I'm going to be there. Oh, I'll awesome. Be in Cincinnati. Well, we're doing an IC meetup, man, right across the street uh, the day before, um, the evening before. So Yeah, I uh, saw that. It'll be so a good time. I'll be there, and if anyone wants to learn more about two packs, I can... You know, tell you a little bit more about the rest of the story. I certainly do, and you have until then to find me one with Boba Fett on it. That's real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'm, I've always, you know, got my eyes open, and uh, there are a lot of other people out there, too. They'll send me an email or, you know, a text or call me and say, hey, I'm in Japan right now. This is a true story. Mm-hmm. I'm in Tokyo, Japan. There's this guy. He's got one with a walrus man on it, and it's uh, punch pinned to the ceiling. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I said, oh, God. It says, Walrus Man Rare. And I said, yeah, it's a rare one. You should buy it. Yeah. Unfortunately, have, have the guy get the broom it. out. But, yeah, I'll, I'll get people who call me. That's wild. Yeah, but that's always good. That's how the information spreads. That's exactly what this whole podcast thing is supposed to be about, man, is I just want to get the information out about whatever it is involving vintage Star Wars because the more that each one of us can grow this hobby, the longer it'll be around so we can enjoy it all the way until – we're not enjoying anything anymore. <laughs> yeah, agreed. Maybe even uh, pass it on to the next generation. Absolutely. 
and keep it alive. And uh, if yeah, Disney has anything my... to say about it, I'm sure we will. <laughs> yeah, I've got my kids well trained. So, yep, they they know that uh, Daddy's toys that are uh, uh, in his shelves and on the wall, you know, those aren't to be open. Those are all artwork. We're saving those. Yep. <laughs> Someday they're for you. Yeah, that's your inheritance. So you're, you, one day you're going to be the steward of all this. Nice. Perfect. And I think that's a great place to end is, you know, in, in the end, I think for all of us, it's about the people. It's about the nostalgia. Mm -hmm. It's about the, the passion of the hunt. But in the end, I think all of us are, are stewards, stewards of that memory of Kenner toys and Star Wars. You know, we are sort of like the museum docents. We're taking care of it, and we're the ones that explain to the general public, hey, this is what this is about. Isn't it amazing, fascinating, and fun? Absolutely. Well, brother, before I let you go, just one thing. Uh, at the end of each episode, or at the end of each interview, I want to do a uh, I See Star Wars Pearl of Wisdom. And since it's going to be focused really on vintage Star Wars items and learning, uh, the guests like you are going to be some of the most knowledgeable collectors, so I want to make sure each one of you guys, when you come on, just give one thing that is a quote-unquote pearl of wisdom. I don't care if it's what to look for in the wild, uh, something you learned over time, all the known variations of Boba Fett, or what MOC means. It doesn't matter, just something for everybody to take home. So, Jimmy Tupac, what is your pearl of wisdom? All right, my pearl of wisdom is research and networking or friends. And in fact, the, the, the friends or the networking actually can sometimes do the research for you, but at least give it a little bit of an effort before you ask. But what I found is that everything that I know about collecting and the hobby, I've learned from other people, people who are kind enough to take the time to explain things to me, to teach me about things, uh, to really sort of open my world to understanding the hobby. And all of the good things that ever have ever happened to me are because of other collectors. And I'll leave you with this one last story. When I was collecting the two-packs, uh, a great guy by the name of Brock Walker, lives in Kentucky, just called me out of the blue and said, you know, do, do you have a two-pack with the Hoth Rebel Trooper? And, of course, that's his focus. And I said, no, it, it you know doesn't exist. And he says, well, I have one. And it's I, I was pretty sure it was the only one. But I really think it belongs in your collection because you've been doing a great job. I've been kind of watching what you've been doing, and I'd really like you to have it. You know, would you be interested in buying it? I said, well, of course, yeah. sure, absolutely. And I'm wondering what he's going to ask me, you know, to to pay for it—a thousand dollars or more. I'm sure that's what it was worth. And he said, well, back when I got this ten or twelve years ago, I paid four hundred bucks, and I'm just going to pay it forward. So four hundred bucks—it's yours. It goes in your collection. Wow. And I thought, wow. Wow. You know, I didn't yeah. seek it out. I didn't find it. But here's this guy who, you know, I knew, you know, from the collecting community. He would give me some advice and said, I, I think this should go in your collection. And, you know, that it would it would you be the right guy for it. So it's like the stuff when you have the right people around you, the stuff finds you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I would say making friends and networking. That's the most important pearl of wisdom I can give your listeners. That's wonderful. I appreciate it, brother. Well, awesome, and thank you so much for being on the uh, first episode of I See Star Wars. Do you have anything you want to plug or anything like that before we go? No, not at all. Just uh, just to say that uh, Imperial Commissary is a great place, and 
There's a lot of good people. So when I'm talking about networking and friends, you know, you're in good company here. Thanks, brother. I appreciate that. And I didn't even pay him for any of that. <laughs> no, that's, right. that's from the heart. I'll see you in Cincinnati, brother. I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dave. Yep. See you in Cincy. All right. Bye. All right, well, as you heard David and I just speaking, the IC Meetup in Cincinnati is going to be coming up on September 30th. It will be up in Sharonville, Ohio. Uh, what the IC Meetup, we actually did this last year at Cincinnati. What it is is we set up a time when there's a toy show coming to town, and I go ahead and rent a conference room at a local hotel. I try to set aside some rooms or some sections so we can all get together. Um, so there is actually, uh, on the IC Meetup page, there is a link. You can find that page through the Imperial Commissary on Facebook. Just look up the Imperial Commissary on Facebook or else you can go with www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash the Imperial Commissary. And uh, on top of the IC, there is the IC Meetup. If you can't find it up top, you can look under events. On the left-hand side, it'll be there. But the IC Meetup, it will be on September 30th. We did it last year. We just did one at Celebration that was massive. This one is shaping up to be a really good one, too. We have 40, 42 people already going, 44 maybes. Um, so I'm sure it'll be quite packed. The rooms are selling out quickly. I have got a side, uh, a block of rooms set aside for us. Um, up in Sharonville there and you can click the link on the top of the meetup page to find all the information and also to qualify for the discounted rooms under the Imperial Commissary uh, hotel block. It is the Fairfield Inn and Suites in Cincinnati, North Sharonville, Ohio. Uh, free high-speed internet, free breakfast, and a fitness center. So anyway, that's where the meetup is going to be. Uh, the reason why we do the meetup there is there will be a toy show the next day, which is very, very cool. It's the Cincinnati Toy and Collectible Show. That'll be at the Sharonville Convention Center directly across the street from our hotel. And uh, that'll be October 1st. It starts in the morning, and we are able to go over there there'll be tons of vintage star wars there'll be tons of vintage star wars at the meetup the night before and hopefully at the room sales as well where everybody comes and brings stuff to buy sell and trade and to uh show and tell too i got to hold the rocket firing boba fett last year which was pretty awesome uh so the cincinnati toy show is the next day so we will all be going over to that uh from our hotel which is right across the street so i'm looking forward to seeing you all there once again that is going to be september 30th um, the Cincinnati Toy Show, and we will be doing the IC Meetup there. There's also, I believe, uh, the, the costumes are going to be in Cincinnati that weekend as well. So maybe you can go catch that cool show too. So it'll be a lot of Star Wars stuff that's all going on, and I hope to see you there. So I will see you at the IC Meetup in Cincinnati. Please join the Imperial Commissary. Thank you very much for listening to the very first episode of IC Star Wars, a vintage Star Wars toy podcast thank you very much to our special guest star jimmy tupac that's jimmy underscore the number two pack uh jimmy tupac at rebel scum over there uh thank you to rebel scum for all the information also if you are looking for me on instagram you can find me under the imperial commissary that's on instagram and my twitter is icsw podcast also, uh, just to tell you, please come check out the brand new website. Uh, the, our old website was wiped, unfortunately, but I have completely redone it from scratch with my limited abilities. 
So please check it out, www.imperialcommissary.com. Uh, also, we will have a iTunes page, but I didn't know that in order to get an iTunes page, you have to make your first podcast and upload it to iTunes. So once I have that information, I will be updating it with future podcasts. And also, uh, if you check uh, imperialcommissary.com, that'll have all the information you need, and it will have links to all the subgroups of the Imperial Commissary and also links to the Imperial Commissary itself. I hope to see you soon. I'm always looking for special guest stars, so if you have a great story about vintage Star Wars toys or a great find or you want to come on because you are very knowledgeable in a certain aspect of vintage Star Wars items, please do. Shoot me an email at icswpodcast at gmail.com. That's icswpodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have any constructive criticism for me, if you have any ways to make the show better, any ideas for me to do in future shows, please let me know. Thank you for listening to IC Star Wars, a podcast by collectors for collectors.